You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Turn the person next to you and say you look handsome in this light and have a seat. And uh... Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. How good is your worship team? I think we should give them a big round of applause. Such a thrill to be back here at Centro, and uh, thank you, Pastor Tim and Catherine, for inviting me. Uh, and yes, I'm as proud as Punch, actually, uh, to see all that God is doing. And, uh, but it's also wonderful to be back at Centro. I've been at Centro many times over the years, and it's always good to be here. Uh, used to live, I used to live at Goodna, uh, and so, but this is the first time I've been back uh, since I moved to the Gold Coast. And um, so, I kind of see myself as an Ipswich missionary uh, to the Gold Coast, that sort of thing. And uh, there are a couple of differences, actually, uh, when you uh, live on the Gold Coast compared to Goodna. Uh, one of the things about people at... One of the things I've noticed about people at the Gold Coast is how incredibly fit everyone is. Like, you know, they're just running around all the time. You go to Burley Beach, 5am, it's packed, people are running. When I lived at Goodna... Um, <laughs> I hardly saw anyone running, except when they're running away from someone, you know? And uh, so, it's a little bit different, so yeah, everyone's very fit down there, that sort of thing. Uh, reminds me actually a little bit of, uh, of Townsville. Townsville in North Queensland, uh, a lot of people are fit there too, but that's because a lot of them are in the army. Uh, and uh, actually, and you can always tell... When someone's in the army, they've got that lean kind of uh, muscular physique. I remember one time I was hopping on the plane to fly to Townsville and uh, I sat down next to a guy and I looked at him and I thought, man, he looks like he's in the army. So I turned to him and I said, mate, are you in the army? He goes, yeah, how can you tell? I said, well, look at you. <laughs> I said, you look like you're in the army. And he goes, and, he goes, and then he turns to me and he goes, are you? <laughs> I, said, I said, do I look like I'm in the army? He goes, oh, well, you know, you've got a bit of lazy muscle. Uh, so, anyway, it's good to be back in Ipswich, praise God, and uh, so good to be here, and so looking forward to being with you uh, today. The Bible says one day in God's courts is better than a thousand anywhere. So what that means is he can undo three years' worth of damage in one day. It's incredible, and so I believe that with one day here with you, I believe God's going to do great and mighty things, and, and I also bring greetings to you from your holiday church on the Gold Coast uh, called King's Church, and uh, if ever you're on the Gold Coast on holidays and want to go to church on a Sunday, I would be highly offended uh, if you went anywhere else. But uh, anyway, so uh, so looking forward to being with you, and I know that when we get into God's Word, God's Word will do something awesome. I want to share with you today from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'll read that again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When I was a kid, there was a TV show about a family called the Partridge Family that used to travel around as a family band around America. A little bit like the Spark Family. And so, uh, and some of you may remember that TV show. Some of you may remember the introduction to that TV show uh, which goes a little bit like this. Look out, world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Oh, you, you know. Yeah. What's well, the title of my message today? It's called Come On, Get Happy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask and pray that you help us to be the overcomers you called us to be. Thank you and praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Some translations actually say, be joyful always, pray without ceasing, and all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Most powerful thing for me about that passage of scripture is who it was written to. It wasn't written to an individual. He wasn't writing, Paul wasn't writing to Timothy. He wasn't saying, hey Tim, you're a special kind of guy. Things just kind of go your way. You, you can be joyful always. But he's not writing to an individual. He's writing to the Thessalonians. That's a whole church. And he says, hey church, be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. And all things give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you know that God wants you to be happy? How do I know that? Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Some people don't understand that. They think it's a seed of the Spirit. Oh yes, that's right, brother. I've got joy deep, deep down. (laughs) Joy is not a seed, it's a fruit. My grandfather used to own an apple orchard. We used to drive around the back of the ute and he used to point out to us the different apple trees. He'd say, they're Granny Smiths, they're Jonathan's, they're Golden Delicious. He can tell just by looking at them. He didn't have to dig around into the root system to figure out what kind of fruit it was. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We should be able to tell you got joy by looking at your face. (laughs) Amen. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, it's not a gift of the Spirit. Oh, you've got the gift of joy. Wherever you go, you know, you just light up the room. No, no, no. Joy is not a gift, it's a fruit. So what that means is this. It's available for every believer and able to be evident in all our lives. And some of you might say, well, how can you actually say that? After everything that I've been through, all the stuff I've got to deal with, everything that I'm having to deal with right now. Well, the awesome thing is that as a Christian, we don't have joy according to our circumstances. We can have joy in spite of our circumstances. And right here in this passage of Scripture, he gives us some keys to help, to help us live a joy-filled life. And so today I want to talk to you about three keys to living a joy-filled life according to this passage of Scripture. The first thing he says is this, rejoice always. The first key to living a joy-filled life is praise. What that means is this, that when you praise God, His presence comes. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. It's talking about His manifest presence. And in His presence, the Bible tells us, is fullness of joy. So when you praise Him, His presence comes and in his presence is fullness of joy. That's why the Bible tells us to put on the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. You're feeling heavy, you're feeling weighed down, you're feeling low. Start praising God, his presence will come and then you'll start feeling better. That's why as Christians, it's important for us to have a lifestyle of praise. Not in response to what's happening into our life, but actually sometimes in spite of some of the things that are happening in, that's happening in our life. If you live a lifestyle of joy, a lifestyle of praise, you can keep accessing his presence and in his presence is fullness of joy. Remember one time many years ago uh, when I was at Bible college uh, in Sydney and um, I got threatened to get kicked out of the Bible college, um, which was pretty funny because a number of years later I... Uh, actually ran my own Bible college, had the same conversation with some students, uh, even some central students. Uh, and I remember at the time, uh, I was, was gone down to see the, reg- uh, the registrar and she said, Ben, I'm sorry, but if you don't come up with the fees next week, we're going to have to ask you to leave. When she told me that, I was so discouraged. 
I felt really let down by God even. I'd moved from Melbourne to Sydney to go to Bible college. It was a live-in Bible college. I'd taken this step of faith and I felt like God wasn't providing for me. And so I went back. We actually lived, in, lived on site in dormitory rooms. And so I went back to my room and, and I remember going into my room and I just tried to pray, but you know, I was so depressed. There was more moaning and complaining. Why have you let this happen to me? I've made this big faith step. You're not providing for me. In the midst of that, I felt God say, why don't you praise me? I said, I will when you pay my fees. <laughs> pay my fees then I'll praise you. And he said, why don't you praise me anyway? I said, oh, okay. And so, I don't know, have you ever been so depressed you need a bit of assistance? And, and so I got out um, a CD and, um, oh, uh, for the young people, um, a CD uh, is a disc that some of us older people used to listen to music on. So, uh, and so I put on a CD and, and it was a new CD at the time. It was it'd be really old now. It was, it was a Hillsong recording called Touching Heaven, Changing Earth. Uh, and there was a song on it called Lord Your Goodness. You know, Lord Your Goodness, send your love will follow me all the days. My... Anyway, so I turn it on and I start trying to sing it and I'm walking around my dorm, my dorm room. Lord, your goodness and your love will follow me, apparently, <laughs> all the days of my life. I'm surrounded with the favour of the Lord, even though I can't see it, always ever. But all of a sudden, as I started singing, the heaviness started lifting. Lord, your goodness and your love will follow me. All the days of my life. And then all of a sudden, I started dancing around the room, uh, singing key changes and everything. I'm surrounded with the favour of my Lord. And then all of a sudden, thank you very much. Uh, the presence of God came. The heaviness lifted. And I started laughing my head off. Three and a half minutes after being completely depressed. Nothing had changed in my circumstances. But all that was happening in the midst of my circumstances, look at all the heroes of the faith. Look at Paul in prison. In the midst of prison, at the midnight hour, he decides that in spite of his circumstances, he's just going to open up his mouth and praise. You know, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150 verse 6. Normally, I'd tell you to turn next to each other and breathe, but we probably shouldn't do that these days. But you know, it says, let everything that has breath. So what that means is if you've got breath, you're supposed to praise God. It amazes me the amount of excuses people come up with to not praise God. Some people don't praise God because they're a terrible singer. And it's true. Have you heard them? <laughs> I'm sure all of us at some point in our life have sat near somebody in church and thought to ourselves, would you just shut up? Trying to praise God? How can I praise God with you screeching in my ears? But here's the thing. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Doesn't say let everything with a recording contract praise the Lord. Doesn't, let it, doesn't say let everybody capable of being a worship leader praise the Lord. It just says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's why the Bible says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Doesn't even have to be tuneful. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And it, you've got to understand this. Even if you've got an amazing voice, compared to what God is listening to all the time, it's nothing. He is surrounded by angels, worshipping him 24-7 with beautiful, pitch-perfect, operatic voices. A little bit like this. <laughs> Worship you, Lord. 
Praise you, God. Hallelujah. And the other thing is this. Angels don't breathe, so they don't have to take a breath. So they hold their notes forever. Worship you, Lord. And they just keep going. Oh. And then God can hear us at the same time. So they're worshipping, praise you, Lord. And then we're singing. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. Worship you, God. Hallelujah. Lord, send revival. And he can hear both. But figuratively speaking, he basically says to the angels, hey, boys, quiet. Lord, send revival. And then he basically says, look, Thank you so much for praising me. But now my people at Centro Church are praising me. So I'm going to send my presence down there. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. He's not talking about angels, man. They don't breathe. He's talking about you and me. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of whether you like the song or not, regardless of whether you like the volume, open up your mouth. And praise God. This be my, might be my last time at Centro Church, amen. <laughs> the second thing is this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So the second key to living a joy-filled life is prayer. Now, prayer works two ways. Number one, it's therapeutic. Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but everything through prayer and supplication make your request known to God. When you're anxious or stressed about something, we transfer the burden of it onto the Lord. Cast your cares onto him because he cares for us. So what that means is if you're stressed and worried and anxious, pray about it and the burden of that thing gets transferred to the Lord. But there's something even more powerful about what happens uh, when we pray. And it says in John 16 verse 24, Jesus says, until now you've asked asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy will be full. See that? Ask, receive, Joy will be full. We get fueled with joy by answers to prayer. The more things we pray for, the more things we ask for, the more things that get answered, the more joy that actually comes into our life. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs as 13 verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when a desire comes, it's like a tree of life. So what that means is this, pray about everything. Pray about big things. Pray about medium-sized things. Pray about little things. Pray about the things that you think you can handle. Pray for all those sorts of things. I love what Bill Johnson says about it. He says, diversify your prayer investment. Pray for many, many things. What I used to make the mistake of doing was only praying for big things. But here's the thing, when you only pray for big things, sometimes it takes a long time before they come to pass. In the meantime, you can actually get a little bit discouraged. So yes, pray about the big things, but pray about everything else. Because the principle is this, the more answers you get, the more joy that you get access to and the stronger you become. The amount of times I've had issues and realised I haven't even prayed about it because I thought I could handle it. I thought I could deal with it. And then realise by praying about it, when the answer comes, it's like an injection of joy into my heart. 
I used to be a full-time travelling uh, itinerant minister and, uh, and in those were the days when I used to come and preach at Centro regularly and, and in those days I used to travel and, and fly away and remember one time uh, I flew um, out of town and came back and when I came back, um, our old house was on Brisbane Terrace at Goodna, uh, quite close to the rugby league ground there, the Goodna Eagles and so I remember I came back one day and there was a car parked on our nature strip. And I was only home for a couple of days and didn't think much of it. I thought it must have been one of the neighbour's cars. Uh, I flew off, came back, and it was still there. Said to my wife, I said, babe, do you know whose car that is? She goes, no, I don't. And found out it wasn't one of the neighbour's cars. And, uh, and so didn't think much of it. I, I, I flew off, came back, was still there. This time when I came back, I had uh, uh, someone I didn't know come and knock on the front door. And they said, hi, uh, my name's such and such. The car on your nature strip is my car. I said, right. And he said, yeah, look, I came and watched the rugby league game the other day, but now I'm going to, you know, I've organised a tow truck to come and get it. Uh, and he said, if it's not, and he said, it should be gone uh, by the end of this weekend. So gullible trusting me, uh, didn't take his name or number. I said, thanks, mate. Flew away, came home. It was still there. I rang up the council. I said, hey, you know, there's this car on my nature ship. They said, unfortunately, it's not illegally parked. There's not a whole, and it's not unregistered. There's not a whole lot uh, we can do about it. Then soon after, I drove home one day. There was a man out the front in a lube mobile, mobile mechanic, working on the car. I thought, oh, thank God. And, and uh, I went and spoke to him, and he said, look, it's near the end of, it was near the end of the day. He said, yeah, I'm just trying to get this car going. He said, I've got to go soon. He said, I should be getting it going, but if I don't, I'll make sure I come back tomorrow. So gullible trusting me, didn't get his details. Uh, next day, uh, next couple of days, it was still there. By now, I'm pulling my hair out. And I remember I was getting so frustrated. And then I felt God say, have you prayed about it? And I said, no. I thought I could handle it. And he said, how's that going for you? <laughs> I said, not very good. So I started praying. So I walked out the front. I pointed at the car. I said, in Jesus' name, you'll be gone by the end of this weekend. Got up the next day, did my prayer, prayer walk, walked past it. In Jesus' name, you'll be gone by the end of this weekend. We would drive back the car out, uh, back our car out to go to school. The boys would be in back seat. I said, boys, point at the car. In Jesus' name, you'll be gone by the end of this weekend. Saturday morning, the car's still there. I thought, no, nope, I'm still going to pray. Walked past it. I said, in Jesus' name, you'll be gone by the end of this weekend. Woke up Sunday morning, it's still there. And I thought, well, there's no way it's going to be gone today. But anyway, in Jesus' name, you'll be gone by the end of this weekend. Went away, went to church, came home, car was gone. <laughs> Praise God. And I just had like an injection of joy and faith. And I thought, all these things worrying me, all these things taking away my energy, all these things taking away my strength, and I haven't even prayed about it. God wants you to have joy because he wants you to be strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And one of the things I've learned is this, that there are burdens that I carry I don't need to carry if I give it to the Lord in prayer. What is it that's worrying you, stressing you out, bugging you, and you're upset about, but you haven't even prayed about? Pray, ask and you'll receive that your joy will be full. Why don't you make notes on your phone and make lists of things you want to pray for? I made li I've made lists of things and there's been time I've looked back on it, thought, oh, tick that off, tick that off, tick that off. It's amazing. But make a list of all these things and ask. There's no harm 
in asking. So many times we're afraid to ask God. We're worried about what he thinks. Some people don't ask God because they're worried about his will. I don't want to ask God for something because I don't know if it's God, God's will. I used to think like that, but I don't think that like that anymore. In fact, now when I pray, I'm not worried about God's will. Why? Because what's the worst thing that can happen? He won't give it to me. That's as bad as it gets. It's not like he's going to kick me out of the family. My children ask me for things out of my will all the time. Remember one time I had a son, eight years of age. Daddy, can I drive the car? No. Daddy, can I drive the car? No. Daddy, can I drive the car? No. But it's not like, Daddy, can I drive the car? No. That's out of my will. Now get out of my house. There's no harm in asking. Ask and you'll receive that your joy will be full. And the third thing is this. The third key to living a joy-filled life. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The third key to living a joy-filled life is thankfulness. Is thankfulness. Bible says, I will enter his gates, his presence where there's joy. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving are the things that help us to access the joy of the Lord. And so what that means is this, that there are times when it's good for us just to just list off and count our blessings. When was the last time you counted your blessings? When was the last time you said, you know what, Lord, I don't want to pray about anything today. I just want to start thanking you for everything that you've done in my life. You'll be amazed at what happens in your heart when you do that. Great friend of mine, uh, his name is Pastor Sanjay Stevenson. Many, many years ago, uh, he was, uh, was uh, pre- uh, praying on a Monday morning. He had a very discouraging Sunday the d- uh, day before. And he was going to his usual prayer spot uh, on the Brisbane River at the Jindalee boat ramp. So he would go down there and uh, he was walking around the boat ramp, but he was so depressed. He'd had a really tough time and he was feeling really discouraged. And as he was doing that, he felt God say to him, why don't you thank me? And he thought, for what? And he felt God say, thank me. And so he was so discouraged, couldn't verbalise it. Took his journal out and started writing down things he could thank God for. Lord, I thank you that I'm saved. That's a pretty good start. Even on your worst day, you're still winning. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that they're healthy. Thank you that I get the opportunity to preach. Thank you that some people do listen to me. And as he started listing all these things, the heaviness started lifting. After a couple of minutes, he put the journal down. He started walking around the boat ramp and he started thanking God. What had happened? He started thanking God for all that he had done. He took his eyes off what God hasn't done yet and put his eyes on the things God is doing. That's one of the things about being faith people. We're always expecting God to do things, but you will actually live a life of frustration if you take your eyes off the things God has been doing. That's the tension of the life that we live. We're thankful, but we have desire. We're thankful, but we do have aspiration. And sometimes even good things can become an idol because we start losing our joy over something that hasn't actually happened yet. I think, you know... It's like, you know, we start believing things like, I'll be happy when. 
I'll be happy when that healing comes. I'll be happy when I have that child. I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I get the house. Well, no, actually, even those are, those are good desires and aspirations for the future, God actually wants you to be happy right now. You can be happy all the way there. How do you do that? By being thankful. We can even turn good things into idols. I used to do that when it came to revival. I was a crazy revival prayer. I used to pray for revival all the time, which I think is a good thing. Um, and, um, but it started, you know, chewing me up a bit, you know. Like, I used to, say, I used to get really intense. Lord, you've got to give me revival. Give me Revival. Revival. Give me a revival, all right. Die. I'm not going to be happy until I started walking around the streets, touching letterboxes. Revival. Revival. Started walking around schools at night, which I now know is weird. <laughs> Got to give me this school. But it was almost like now I'm not happy until this thing happens. One day I'm praying my revival prayer. Revival! Give me revival! For God speak to me as clear as anything. He said, what if I don't? I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> he goes, are you still going to be in misery guts to live with? And then I realised, good desire, good aspiration, keep believing. Don't lose your joy on the way there. Be joyful always. Pray without Notice this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In all things, give thanks. He doesn't say for all things, give thanks. Sometimes we get our theology a little twisted because we start thanking God for things that he didn't actually do. doesn't say for all things. Our house got flooded in the Brisbane floods of uh, 2011 and uh, on Brisbane Terrace down there at Goodner and uh, uh, High Set House and uh, across the road from where we live is a fence. It's like a 20 metre drop down the river. But the river rose to the point and went a metre and a half through the second storey of our house. Uh, and so it was crazy. And that was the craziest year I think I've ever been on. And, um, you know, but I wasn't like praying that year. Thank you, Lord, for flooding me. I really appreciate it. I know you're working on my character. If I need more work, just send another one. That'd be great. It doesn't say thank him for all things. It says thank him in all things. What does that mean? It means no matter what you're going through, there's always something you can find to thank God about. Maybe the thing you're wanting to have happen, it's not that time yet. In the meantime, God is doing something. That's why the Bible says he's an ever-present help in a time of trouble. You might have some trouble, but he's helping you. Put your eyes on what he's doing. And he'll give you the strength that you need to become that joy-filled, strong, overcoming Christian he's called every single one of us to be. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Come on, get happy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 